Welcome to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. There are so many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries or musicians, reformers, authors, or wives and mothers. Their examples are inspirational to us all. And today's episode is no exception. I'm Cheryl Broderson. Robin Gunn is not with us today. I always miss her because she's such a bright light in the studio. But nevertheless, there's a lot of brightness in the studio today because I am interviewing my friend and somebody I've looked up to for a long time, Dr. Elizabeth Imuku. And if you weren't here um, for or you didn't hear part one, I'm going to invite you to go back, listen to part one, because this is part two. And you really want to get a feel for Elizabeth and what life in Uganda was like and the culture and how she grew up. And then you're going to find out that she was a little bit of a rascal in college so and university. So she won't feel um, untouchable or like, she's too wonderful. I'll never aspire to that. You realize, you know, at the base of it, we're all women who Jesus loves. It's so, it's so great. So Elizabeth, thank you again for coming back and for um, this episode. So we had stopped at when Juventine um, had already seen you at university and knew you were the one. And this university was 100 miles away from the practical, uh, very prestigious university you could have gone to, but you wanted to go to this one little bit for the freedom's sake, so you could be a little bit of a rascal. And already the Lord is kind of drawing you in. You're in leadership in the Christian club, which I love that there was a Christian club at your university. So, all right, tell us how you and Juventine ended up together. And then I want to get into how the ministry started that you're involved in. Okay, so... um... That's a big assignment, I know. (laughs) (laughs) While at the university, of course, Juventine was ahead of me by three years. Uh, He left the university without telling me he was interested in me. Oh, my goodness. And um, so I didn't know. But he left someone to take care of me, which I didn't know. So one of those days I had gone to visit a friend and I came back to my room. And so his friend, um, Dr. Zari, comes up to me and and says, where are you from? I said, well, I had gone to visit a friend. Is there any problem with that? And so he's like, oh, no, I was just checking on you. And and after talking a while, he said, oh, let's pray. And while he was praying, he said, bless the plans of Juventine and Elizabeth. And I opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, what plans are those? I have no idea of any plans. That's fascinating. (laughs) I didn't ask him about that prayer, but I I continued. I was like, I wonder what that plan was. But Juventine was, at the time he was at the university, he was um, heading the Christian Union, oh. uh, a group that brings together all Christians. At the so university. he already was exhibiting all those leadership skills. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was the kind that, um, you know, one of my classmates told me every time I saw Juventine, even when I had sinned, I wanted to confess my sin. Wow. Because he was straight, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, in my mind, I was thinking, I, I can't get near to for that <laughs> and this rascal <laughs> I don't think that is my kind of material you know but anyway to cut things short um, he came back 
I think his friend, when I was about to leave university, I was thinking to myself, well, Juventine hasn't spoken anything. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what I'll find when I leave mm-hmm. university. And so I called his friend. I said, Juventine hasn't spoken anything. I need to know, you know, what are these plans you're talking about? So he spoke to Juventine and then Juventine comes back and, and tells me, about um, what he was thinking. But his thought was he wanted me to finish university. He didn't want to disorganize me because he'd been waiting and he didn't want to wait any longer. So as soon as I finished Okay, that's a little bit romantic. <laughs> Just saying. I like this story. So he, as soon as I finished university, I finished in June. In uh, September, I took Juventine to my parents because that is what the culture is. You take the man to your parents and um, introduced him to the whole clan. And in December, the year that I finished university, I got married. That was on 7th December. You got married right <laughs> Yes. Oh, <laughs> Finals and marriage. Yes. That's a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time... Well, I I knew Juventine was into Christian leadership, but he wasn't a pastor. Mm -hmm. And I had always told myself I would never marry a pastor. Mm. I didn't want to be a pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we got married, uh, there was um, a family, the Kusunokis, that came to talk to me and, and said, oh, you know, we want to take Juventine for training, you know, pastoral training. And I took it so lightly. We'd just gotten married and a month into that, he was going away for that pastoral training. I was like, oh, go ahead, take him. <laughs> and uh, he went for that training and uh, he was ordained a pastor and he comes back a pastor. Mm. And so I had to take on the responsibility of being a pastor's wife. And um, by that time, Juventine had been called. He was working in uh, the western part of Uganda. He had planned to become a surgeon, you know, but God called him to northwest to a place called Yumbe to serve the most disadvantaged. And when he was going there, he talked to me. At that time, I was still in, in university. And I said, well, if God has called you, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And so he went and, and started serving there. And, of course, when I got married, I had to go to Yumbe. And this was so far in a bush. Mm-hmm coming from the city and going to Yumbe that was in a bush that was basically more than 95% Muslim. Oh, my goodness. Um, was a little scary. Oh, a little. Yes. <laughs> Understatement. And, Understatement. And, and, you know, I told the Lord, I said, God, I, I don't think I am equipped enough to go to this place. You know me. You know who I am. I'm this kind of person who will go and jump around with anyone, you know. And I'm thinking, Lord, I think for pastor's wife, you need someone who's a little moderate, you know, someone who people can look up to. And I don't think I'm that kind of woman. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I was married to Juventine. I had to go. Now, were you practicing medicine at the time? At the time, yes, mm-hmm. as well. I had to go through internship. And then after my right. internship, I went straight to, to Yumbe. Wow. And, um, of course, it was challenging because when we went to to Yumbe, there were people that were older than me. And I I think for me, having a personal relationship with God was very key. 
mm-hmm. in this walk. Mm-hmm. Because many of the people were, that were there were people that had just come to know the Lord. Oh. And so these are not people that I could lean on no. you know, and talk to. No. So I, I had interactions with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Lord, you brought me here. I told you earlier on I was not equipped for this work. How old are you at this time? I was 26. Oh, my goodness, yes. And I'm Young. telling him, yes. I'm, I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. so overwhelming, but I trusted the Lord. I started a fellowship for women. <laughs> it grew, and um, God was so gracious. I had never been a teacher of God's word, but I had to open his word, and I had to allow the Spirit of God to lead, you know. And uh, I, I, when I look back, I totally see the Lord in all this. Mm-hmm. It was nothing about myself. I had no skill, but God through his spirit enabled me to disciple these women, some much older than I was, people that would look up to you, come for advice, you know, marriage advice, even those that had been in marriage longer than I had been and came up to me. And um, so God took us through that for 13 years you know i was in for me i was in yumbe for 11 years because juventine had gone earlier so we were in yumbe in that place that was uh, more than 95 percent muslim god showed us favor mm. for the muslim community mm. most especially the elders mm-hmm. because we're able to plant a church in that place. And that just doesn't happen in a Muslim community. No. You know, because right. at the time we went with the medical angle, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't have any medi- med- medical facility there. But we went with that angle, and because they had been abandoned for so long, they couldn't throw out the church. Mm-hmm. And so many people came to know the Lord. And also, being a female doctor for women is very key for the Muslims because the women don't get access because their husbands do not let them be treated by a man. So that is very, you know, how the Lord, I could say how the Lord would use you. In that place. Absolutely. And he had to make me a doctor. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. They always called me a nurse, but for me that was okay. I was like, (laughs) well, as long as the job is done, that's the Uh most important thing, you know. Right. And so from Midigo in Yumbe, about Four churches were planted. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And um, there was a point I was getting uneasy. I was like, I don't know why, because I was so excited going back to Yumbe. Every time we went, because at six weeks after I had delivered, all my children were cesarean. And at oh. six weeks, I made that trip back to No, that's not easy. Medigo, because yes. I was so looking forward to seeing mm-hmm. ladies, to mm-hmm. having fellowship with these people and... And at some point, I think about 2010, I was like, Lord, there's something I'm, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable being here. Mm. I don't know why, but I even spoke to Juventine about it. And uh, he was like, no, you know, the Lord has just started this great work, you know. But I prayed about it and I, I told him, okay, the Lord has not yet spoken to you. But let me go back to school because I wanted to do my master's. I said, let me go back to school. If God wants me to use that master's degree, I will come back. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't, I know he will speak to you. And mm-hmm. so I went away to do my master's in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, during that time, the Lord spoke to him mm-hmm. openly that it was time for us to move. And I was thankful because I didn't want a situation where I pushed him out. Right. And he was frustrated in right. ministry because my role was to support him, to be a helpmate. And that is the role that I wanted to be. Now, did he raise up leadership to to take these churches? He did. Too? He did. Mm-hmm. And everywhere. That's part been, of your ministry, he too. has raised leaders, you know. That's excellent. Because mm-hmm. we don't know where mm-hmm. else he's sending us. Right, right now we're in Soroti, but I keep telling him, I'm sure the Lord is about to call us somewhere else. Because when we get so comfortable, he tells us, okay, time to yep. move. So we Eventually, after I finished my medical school, he we had to go to Soroti, mm-hmm. which is about 236 miles from Kampala. Mm. And I was very happy. And, and so we started the ministry there, kind of the same model that we had in um, Midigo, in Yumbe. And so we started uh, by putting up, because we are doctors, we started by putting up an outpatient's department building it up and the church started in uh, the lobby of the outpatients department it was not complete we we're just building it up it started with the builders of the hospital mm. so we started with the builders there and uh, eventually a few people came in you know heard about this came in and uh, when we finished the complex the outpatient complex of the hospital we thought to ourselves, well, we need a place to meet because we are going to start the hospital. We cannot meet in the outpatient department. So then we bought land next to the hospital and uh, just put up a tent. And that is where the church started from. And God has been amazing us every other time because from that tent, we put up a foundation eventually put uh, brick on that foundation, started the church in uh, that small place, and many more people started coming. We prayed to God and believed God that we needed a big sanctuary that he provided for. We moved to the sanctuary, and it's interesting that uh, when we're meeting in this small place, Juventine just called uh, people around and said, let's pray around this area. Wow. Pray that Lord, the Lord will provide yes. for a big sanctuary. And he did. Mm-hmm. He was faithful. And um, so my job through all this was to support Juventine. Mm-hmm. And because of my uh, medical degree, I was able to help him in the hospital. I have a passion for children. I love them so much. And so that is where I am helping him uh, to see the children. Once in a while, I see the adults but my passion is for children. I help him in um, teaching the women in in the church. And um, he has also raised leaders. You know, he he had a passion to send out uh, pastors to the villages because Uganda has the prosperity gospel. Mm. That is only in the cities. It mm. doesn't work in the No, villages. it doesn't work in the villages. Juventine's heart was for opening up churches in the villages. Mm. And at the time when he was ordained a pastor, there was no Calvary Chapel mm-hmm. in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And so it started from these five churches in the northwest uh, northwest of Uganda. And then he comes to Soroti, and so the Lord put on his heart to start a school of ministry. Mm. And uh, so from that, that is where 22 churches have opened up. 
and uh, we continue to mentor these uh, young men to continue with the gospel in villages, not in towns. Yeah. And that is how the ministry... Now, what was Soroti? Soroti? Yes, Soroti. Soroti. What is it like? I mean, you know, the other place was so impoverished. What was it that you were going to? And it's... It is awfully difficult because you finally make a place livable <laughs> and then the Lord calls you on yes. <laughs> So because I remember we were praying pretty hard for you when you made that move. And I remember seeing some of the foundations and pictures and like, oh, they've got land and they're they're building. And you, Brian's, Brian would always bring show me on his phone like, look, look, let's pray for Elizabeth and Juven time right now. And so that, that's been, you know, part of uh, we've been sharing your journey, even though you didn't know it. In, in the comfort of our living room, you know. So tell me a little bit about what it was like to go to that um, place. Well, we went from so much again. Yes. Nothing. <laughs> and uh, I remember the Lord spoke to Juventine and said, take nothing. Mm. All we had are our bags. No. Get out of mm-hmm. And so the church in Midigo gave us some money to start off with. Um. But at the time that we went to Soroti, because we're planning um, to settle, because in in Uganda, you have to have a village home Mm -hmm. where you go, where you're buried, you know, eventually Mm -hmm. when you die. And so that is where we we had built a house there. Mm. So we moved in into that house and uh, started off from there. But as the hospital ministry grew, then we did not have a place to accommodate inpatients. Mm. So we quickly had to give up our house. Oh, my goodness. As an inpatient. Wow. And uh, we had to look for accommodation elsewhere. Wow. And uh, God provided for a very small house. We had uh, two bedrooms. We have three kids. So the the kids had to share one room. Two girls and one boy had to share. We had to get bunk beds, Mm -hmm. fix them there, and then another small room where we stayed. And we were happy there. Mm. But over the years, the Lord provided because one of those trips, I think one of our friends came and said, you stay in this house? And we're like, yes, and we're very happy. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you can't stay in, you know, especially for the boy and the girl staying in the same room. Right. And uh, as they get older, especially. Mm -hmm. And and God provided. And so we moved into a bigger house and uh, we continued our ministry. Happy and uh, God has over the years brought men to support the ministry, especially for Juventine, and um, also for me, it's something that I had been praying for. I have never, even to this day, I have never seen myself as oh, I have finally reached there. I'm a leader. And <laughs> I know it all. You know, every time I've been asking the Lord, Lord, really, are you sure? It is me that you want to use. Mm, oh. And there's a time I, I, I came to that point and I was thinking, Lord, I need someone to take over this ministry, you know. I'm not capable enough to do it, you know. And that was the time it was a small group. And I was thinking, look at this small group, you know. Not many people are coming in. And I was frustrated. And the Lord kind of was silent. You know, there are those times that the Lord is silent and you're thinking, okay, he's silent. I have to go on, you know, Mm -hmm. he hasn't said anything. And I continued with the ministry. And every time I prepared for the women's ministry, I prayed and said, Lord, you have allowed me to prepare this message. 
bring in those women that need to come in mm. to listen to this music. Mm. It doesn't matter how many there are, but I mm -hmm. know where two or three are gathered in your name. I'm one of those. Bring another lady and we have fellowship. And I think when I changed my thinking about fellowship, the Lord just brought in women from the community, you know. And I was like, it was answered prayer, you know. He just brought in those that had to be there. And so God has built that fellowship. He has brought in many other women that are very supportive. And even now that I am here, I'm like, it's going on. The fellowship is going on. It's not about me, but it is about God and what he is doing and what he wants to do. And I'm so thankful that I can be that vessel that he uses because there is nothing magical about me. There is nothing so good about me. There is not so much knowledge that I know. Every day I'm learning something new from his word. But it amazes me that he would choose to use me regardless of who I am. And I'm so thankful for that. I love that. You know, you you have been very gracious about moving to these places, but there's been danger and there have been threats. Tell us just a little bit about how the Lord has delivered you from, you know, some of those dangers. Well, there are some of those dangers that we have known even after mm. it had happened. One of those times um, someone had been sent to kill us. Yep. That was while we were in Medigo, and we mm -hmm. had no idea about wow. it. We continued to do the things that we had to do. There are times we had to move out in the middle of the night to help a pregnant mother or a patient. And uh, we had no idea that some people were, you know, meeting together to organize for, mm -hmm. you know, our death. But this young man eventually comes up and talks to Juventine and says, there's one of those days that I had been told to come out and kill you guys. Oh, my goodness. But when I got to that point, you know, he... He was unable to do it. He said, mm. I don't know what happened, but I was unable to do it. It's the Lord. And mm -hmm. that was around the time that there were some missionaries from Samaritan's past that had been killed in the same area. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, I remember praying. You yes. know, and we hear this and we're thinking, okay, it had to be only the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, so I believe there are so many things that have been done that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. But we know the Lord has protected, you know, his hand has been over us. And when we hear those stories, we are thinking, wow, mm -hmm. who are we, mm -hmm. you know, that the Lord would protect us from this danger. And uh, there's so many things, there are instances where we have walked through areas, you're going for um, um, medical outreach and you pass somewhere and eventually when you come back, you find that a snake has been killed and <laughs> you're like, wow. Okay, you know? Yes. So God has been gracious to us, and, and we realize we still have work to do. Um, we just have to trust him mm -hmm. and, and walk in the path that he has purposed for us and, and do what he has called us to do without any fear. You know, it, it reminds us of Paul when he was bitten by that snake and mm -hmm. he didn't die, you know, and he just mm -hmm. rubbed it off and, you know, he continued with his ministry. And I think for us, that is what we are doing, you know. Yes, whatever comes, you know, comes, but he is protecting us for the time he needs us protected for the time that we have to do his work. And that is what we are 
going to do. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And your children, how old are they now? Ah, we have three children. Mm-hmm. And um, Diana is uh, 31. Oh. She's, yes. Oh, my goodness. We're about to be grandparents. No. In August. How do you look so young? <laughs> It's the Lord. It Remember really is. Sarah? Yes. yes. You know, yes. at her age, everyone was wondering. They thought yes. she was so young, but the Lord has been so good. So we're about to be grandparents. Mm-hmm. So Diana is 31. Uh, Jemima is 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan is 16. Wow. Yeah. So, I, you know, amazing. Thank they you. They all love the Lord. I And see, <laughs> and especially because they they didn't live in they've had to live with poverty and plenty and you know there's some children here in the states who are so resentful because their parents gave their all for Jesus and i look at your kids and they all love Jesus and it just such an example thank you elizabeth so much for being on this episode and and sharing your story and god's grace throughout your life thank you so much Awesome. We'll see you next week for someone um, wonderful also. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not-so-well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.